Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 125. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about your legacy. What will others say about you? If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. Recently, the United States of America mourned the passing of Arizona Senator John McCain. And before his death, Senator McCain was asked by a reporter what words he hoped to see on his tombstone. And here's what he said, quote, I've been a small bit of American history. So I think if there's something on my tombstone, it'll be he served his country. And hopefully you add one word, honorably, end quote. Recently, I've been reading the book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing by Daniel Pink. And in a recent chapter, he explains how behavioral scientists have studied how people evaluate the moral behavior of others. And in the specific study, he was looking at how we evaluate endings, the endings of other people's stories. In this study by researchers, they created two versions of a man named Jim. In the first version, Jim is a successful CEO who for decades is kind to his employees, generous with his time and money, and lives a full life of service to others. However, in the last five years of his life, he becomes greedy, vindictive, and a moral failure. The second version of Jim is also a CEO, but for decades, he lives a life of self-interest, takes advantage of his employees. He is a stingy and ungenerous man. But in the last five years of his life, he turns a corner, becomes a man of generosity, kindness, and benevolence. Which man lived a better life? Well, in the research, participants overwhelmingly chose the second Jim, the man who in his last years turned a corner, compared to the man who in his last years ended badly. Why is it that people would choose the second Jim as a man who lived a better life? Well, the answer is because instinctively we believe it's the ending that counts. And Daniel Pink calls this end coding. Now, he gives a warning that sometimes we have a tendency to overestimate the importance of endings in ways that we think and plan. But at the same time, sometimes understanding that an ending is coming can motivate us in the way that we behave. Now, I have to admit, when I read those accounts, I was confronted with my own mindset about endings. Frankly, I'm disappointed when I see someone whom I admire who fails at the end, especially if it's a failure of trust. But I have never really paused to ask myself why the ending, to me, is as important or sometimes more important than the whole. As I thought about this, part of the reason I believe is that People associate character based on experience with adversity and success. I once heard Michelle Obama say, being president doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. And I love that quote. But at the same time, I would like to argue that our experiences do change us. As I look at the arguments over 
which life is better lived, a life of whole or the life at the ending, I think it's safe to say that the answer probably lies somewhere in between. Our experiences, even in school leadership, can change us. Sometimes we make the right choices and sometimes, frankly, we make the wrong ones. I remember the first time I was a school administrator when I managed a situation involving criminal activity on school campus. I was a young admin with little experience in investigating or interrogation, and I had spent more than a decade in the classroom, but it was different managing school-wide policy when confronting street-smart kids, some of whom had parents with powerful attorneys. Whereas in the classroom, I had dealt with isolated crisis situations. In the office, I now had a new perspective on managing worst-case scenarios in a school-wide setting, sometimes with students whose misdeeds were against other students, and sometimes when the students themselves were victims of adult misbehavior, including behavior of their guardians or parents. And as I walked through these experiences for the first time, I began to see some changes in myself. I can remember before that experience being a naturally trusting person. But over time, I began to form a wariness and a distrust of others. And when I had once thought that it was just easy to follow rules, I now saw how easily others could manipulate or challenge policies And I found myself becoming defensive, sometimes feeling paranoid, often angry. When I received my first death threat, I remember I had crossed into a new reality in my leadership that I had never experienced before. And if you've heard me speak before or read my post before, you know that in those early times of my school admin experience, I almost gave up on being a principal. It was the end of my second year when a shift happened after I was forced to look at investing in all the areas of my life, not just my leadership area, and I began to gain some new skills in managing difficult situations. I also realized that I couldn't allow the very small percentage of tough cases that I was managing to overwhelm the vast majority of positivity that was happening in my schools. And even though I was able to come through that experience with some new perspective, I don't think that I came through it the same person. I no longer was the naive school educator who believed that things were always going to turn out perfectly. I was no longer naive to the many challenges that students faced in sometimes traumatic situations. I was no longer convinced that simple decision-making was an easy process of just following policy manuals. And frankly, I was probably more callous and less sensitive than I had been before. But like most people, I'm sure that I came through the situation with some strengths that I gained and probably some blind spots that I still didn't see. As I think back to that process and I think about the ending of the times that I would have in my school experiences, I hope that my endings don't define who I am. But I do believe that our endings matter. And this week, I want to ask you to take a look at what you want the ends of your stories to look like. Taking a look at the end of a story is difficult when you're right in the middle of a scenario. But I believe that every person has a longing for an ending that will be a strong one or a good one. 
And as you look at your own leadership experience, it's sometimes hard to see the kind of legacy or story that you may be building right now. But let me tell you, you are building a legacy and you are leaving behind stories and experience and relationships that reflect the influence that you're having on other people. So as we wrap up this series of reflections for education leaders, I want to wrap it up with some thoughts about what kind of legacy are you leaving? What are others going to say about you? And to sound just a little morbid, what would you want written on your tombstone? So here's some things I want you to keep in mind. I want to touch on five. Number one, remember that you are not as important as you think. Now, I am not sure that I've ever heard anyone inspire someone by saying you're not important. But let me touch on that truth for just a moment before I flip it. One of the pitfalls of leadership that I see leaders having is believing that you are larger than you really are. And someday your school is going to exist without you. And the stories of your time there will fade with each passing year. Now, I'm not saying that you're not important. I'm just saying that you may not be as important as you think you are. The role that you play in the lives of others is the role of building a school community. And the ultimate goal is to be able to someday step away and watch others thrive without you. So keep your focus on how your service is helping others and how their wins can be celebrated. Because in the process, you don't allow those successes to give you a false sense of self-importance. Leaders often struggle with egos and we cannot allow our egos to drive our decision-making. Jim Collins brings this home in his book, Good to Great, where he highlights successful businesses in the history of America. And the one trait among the greatest leaders of the most successful companies is this, their ability to quietly lead without an interest in taking credit for their successes. Collins says it this way, quote, the good to great leaders never wanted to become larger than life heroes. They never aspired to be put on a pedestal or become unreachable icons. They were seemingly ordinary people quietly producing extraordinary results, end quote. So if you want to leave a legacy, keep perspective that you are not as important as you may think. Number two, remember that you are more important than you think. Now, before you think I'm contradicting myself, let me explain. I believe another pitfall that leaders face is underestimating their influence. And as a leader, you never have the luxury of compromising on your core beliefs. Trust is one of the most essential qualities of building thriving communities. And so even though your goal is to eventually step away so that others can thrive without you, while you're present, you cannot break or violate trust. Because when you do, you damage everyone else in your community. The little things that you do, the way that you treat others, the, how you listen and include input, the concern and generosity that you demonstrate, all of these small actions demonstrate and model what you expect to see in others. And in a world that no longer seems to believe that integrity and leadership is as important as it used to be, don't be fooled. Students and teachers know the real deal when they see it. And they will respect or disrespect you if your actions don't reflect the values and behaviors you're asking of them. So number two in leaving a legacy is to remember that you are more important than you sometimes think. Number three, remember that your relationships are more important than anything else. 
I heard a veteran administrator explaining to some new principals that you must be friendly, but you cannot be friends with everyone you lead. And I think this is a good reminder that leadership places you in an important but often uncomfortable role. Because as you maintain the management of school, leading change, asking others to do what's difficult in the end, people will trust you more if they believe you care about them, even when you have to ask them to do things they may not like. And that can only happen through the trust that's built in a relationship. So no amount of strategy or planning or professional learning or curriculum development can replace or good relationships. Relationships are the foundation for building strong culture. So being focused on building good relationships with others, it does not mean compromising standards or policies or expectations, but it does mean that you learn to build others up, even when you're holding them accountable, so that at the end of the day, your toughest decisions you know are easier because you have assured others that they're important in the process of whatever's happening. So number three in building a legacy is to remember relationships are the most important thing. Number four, to build a legacy means making courageous decisions, some that inspire and some that disappoint. You cannot lead without making some people upset. And if your goal is to keep everyone happy, then you've picked the wrong profession. You will not be able to protect students and maintain high standards if your fear is upsetting people. Because protecting students and maintaining high standards requires accountability. And the reality is that it's okay to disappoint some people while inspiring others. When you're making decisions on what's best for your students, what's best for your school community, then you're going to raise the tide. And when you do, you have to keep from worrying all the time about how this may upset others. Good decision-making inspires confidence in the majority of your team. And you leave a legacy by building those people up so that the celebrations outweigh the regrets. So number four, don't forget that building a legacy means courageous decisions, which inspire some and will disappoint others. Number five, to build a legacy, you must remember that you never arrive. You must always keep learning. Whatever you learn along the way, tomorrow is a brand new day. And in the 25 years that I served in my teaching and principal roles, I still, even today, know that I still have a lot to learn. Just a few days ago, I asked my son to sit down and show me how to play a new video game that he was learning. And I didn't ask because I wanted to learn how to play the video game. I asked because I wanted to understand his world. And in the process, I was inspired and captivated by what I learned and by what he was playing. Your world is constantly changing and you live in an exciting time where you can still be a discoverer, a creator, and an innovator. But if you fail to stay as inspired as your students are with new ideas and processes, then you will fail to inspire them. So keep an open mind to learning, embrace new ideas. And when you do, you're going to help build a strong culture of learning because you're the first learner in that culture. So number five, to build a legacy, you must always be learning. Let's wrap this up. Lux Narayan in 2017 gave a TED Talk where he explained an interesting discovery that he found while analyzing 2,000 obituaries in the New York Times. 
He took every common word used in those stories of someone's life who had ended, and he placed those words in a word puzzle that assigned a larger text to the words used most often and smaller texts to the words used less often. You've seen those word scrambles where the largest words stand out when you look at the pattern. Well, guess which word stood out larger than any other word in the 2,000 obituaries that he analyzed? Help. When a person's life is estimated for how he or she demonstrated a life well-lived, the most commonly used word was the word help because people are most remembered for how they help others. So as we wrap up these reflections for education leaders, I would like to ask you, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? And as you think about that, let me encourage you to stay humble, to use your influence for good, to build meaningful relationships, to make courageous decisions, and to keep a hunger for learning. Because as you do, you will touch the lives of others in hidden ways that can continue for generations to come. Because ultimately, you cannot completely control the ending of your story, but you can remember what matters most, helping others. And if you're lucky, like John McCain, you may help others honorably. And that's what a legacy is really all about. I hope that helps. If you find these posts helpful, please share them with others. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. If you'd like to see my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters, you can find them there or at amazon.com. Please stay connected. You can find me on Twitter at WilliamDP, Instagram at William underscore D underscore Parker, or you can reach out to me by email at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, thanks for doing what matters and I'll talk to you soon.